Hello and welcome back to Fan Critical. It's time for the last three episodes of Mindhunter Season 2. Ooh. Ooh. So you might have heard that voice over there. That's Lucy. <laughs> Disembodied. Hello. Disembodied. Ooh. And uh, the one over here is Emma. Uh, welcome back to the Girls Only Podcast. We are having the best time. Yeah. Uh, so we've got episodes 7 to 9. The last three of season two, lots Finale. of things to talk about. Mm. Uh, so let's jump straight back in. So, episode seven. We ended episode six with uh, Penthouse Magazine, bit of jerking off, arresting a plumber. Right? Yeah, so they finally arrest him. They talk to him. It's dead end. No matter how much duct tape he's got in the back of his truck, it's they not They can't him. make it stick. Ha! That's <laughs> uh, a good one. Uh, and uh, why was he hanging around in the woods with all those dead bodies with Penthouse Magazine, Lucy? Because his wife's pregnant and he's not getting any at home. So <sighs> obviously the natural recourse would be to go to the forest and jerk off with your magazine. Yeah. And leave it there. Litter. Litter bug. Littering for a start. And secondly, do it in your truck, man. Yeah, or, you've or got the a bathroom. Truck. Anywhere. I really don't think you need to go to the forest. Again, not a man. Don't know what it's like no. to have a pregnant wife. Maybe that's what you do. I'm not sure. But either way, seems a bit... You should have thrown it in the bin, mate. That's yeah. my problem here. Take your litter with you. Mm. Yes. Anyway, so plumber's the dead end. We're back to, back to zero again. Um, <clears throat> so at this point, 19 kids are missing, dead, probably dead if they're missing, definitely dead if they're missing. Um, and Holden's convinced that the killer is following the press. So Bill's like, we've, we've got to start limiting what we put out there because it's going to start changing his MO. Yes. So this is one of the things that we learned from, um, and Bill uses this example from BTK, from that research, that he follows what's happening in the press and he'll change so that he can keep getting away yeah. with it over and over. And that doesn't really go down very well. And one of the things we've had trouble with in Atlanta is stuff keeps getting leaked to the press and that's mm-hmm. becoming an issue. Um, I mean, their reaction was a bit odd, I thought. Like, the the police force didn't really seem to kind of tie in with that. grasp the gravity of the situation. And that by telling everyone everything all the time, you, you're kind of showing your hand and you've lost control of the situation. Mm. And also, I think when you keep details from the public if you do get crank calls or whatever you're going to limit who who the killers could be because there's not going to be information that everybody knows exactly in the public exactly and we all know about you know the amount of hoax confessions that you get in anything like this because mm. everybody wants to be famous and all that and the other so um what this does though is it gives uh gives ford an idea so holden decides mm. that it'd be a good idea to see if they can hold some memorials for the dead and missing children to try and draw the killer in. Yeah. Get the families to organise these so they can try and draw him in so he can come and revisit the, the impact of his crime. He's certain that isn't he? Yeah. Um, he's, he's really certain that he'll come along. It's a bit like the kind of visiting the scene of the crime thing. Um, and the police are basically like, okay, well, if, if the families agree, then then carry on. Um, and Holden thinks they should uh, give, give them something um, for the memorials, which turns out to be a bunch of massive crosses. Yeah. Right, we'll come back to that in a bit because that becomes what I'd like to, to call slightly farcical. Crossgate, as you said. Crossgate. Um, so while this is all happening, uh, Bill goes back home for uh, for a load of Brian's sessions, obviously. It's Fridays. Just going back home. Um, shows his face at the bureau for a bit, has a bit of a chat with Wendy. And poor old Wendy's getting it right in the neck from Gunny. I know. And oh, I also I, think mm. she's acting as like Bill's therapist because I don't think we mentioned but in the last is the last episode, no the one before, Bill actually tells Wendy yeah. what what's been happening at home. Um so now it's good for him that he's got this to unload on, but it's maybe not the best idea professionally. No, and I think it's a shame because obviously they know each other from the past anyway and mm. who can Bill talk to? And he should be able to talk to someone, but it isn't really fair on Wendy. No. Not once in this season has anyone asked Wendy how she's doing. No, no one gives a shit. She's kind of just been sat on the sidelines, which I think is a bit of a shame. And Gunn basically, you know, gives out to her about going off and doing all these interviews and tells her to stay put and train some agents and, and that's it. Yeah. And you're really starting to see how sidelined Wendy has become both by the Bureau and Holden and Bill. Yeah, she's undermined, the really. Yeah, she is a bit undermined. I can only assume it's deliberate to kind of put that message across of, like, women in these very male-dominated workforces it's sexism and it's not you know the wolf whistling while you're walking down the the corridor and all the like getting your butt slapped it's more 
pervasive and underlying and they probably don't even realize they're doing it all the time but it is quite that dismissal of her and it's so entrenched in what they do isn't it but if she was a man she would not be being treated like that which is what's unfortunate well no one's having to go at greg are they I'm always having a go at Greg, but, yeah, and, well, he, and he does get left out of everything because he sucks, but yes, he doesn't get treated in the same way. That he does not. I mean, so you mentioned a really good point here is that um, Bill is kind of using Wendy as his personal therapist, and this is where he talks to her about, you know, they adopted him when he was three, what might have happened to him before then, mm. you know, because this goes back to all of their research is traumatised childhoods and yeah. what that can do to a, to a child growing into an adult and, and how that can impact them. We talked about this a bit in the last podcast, but I'm still not sure, or I wasn't at this point, where they were trying to take Brian, Brian's story arc with this, whether they were trying to say that, you know, this is Bill's way of expressing his emotion and, you know, that's that's all it is, or whether they're trying to say he's going to become some crazy psycho small animal killer. What no, do you think? I think, like I said in the previous um, podcast, I don't think it would be wise to send it down that road. Like, oh, it turns out that the criminal psychology profiler has a little fucking serial killer of his own in his house. I just don't think it's going to go down that route. I think it's more just to show, like, Bill in some kind of different relief. Mm. Um, And it's just a very extreme version of, like, family problems, I guess. Yeah, and I guess the way that it links into, you know, Bill's work and Bill's life is is a way to show that different people can react and, and react to things differently, you know, mm. because of his work, this is the way he looks at it. Whereas Nancy's concern is always that his work will invade his, I mean, has it his invaded, life. Has it invaded Brian's life that, I mean, the, the, well, the potentially. study's always locked, but is it always locked? Have you seen these awful photos? And that's always going to be something that... Bill will never know the answer to. Exactly. It's kind of scary, isn't it? Mm. I feel sorry for Bill. I feel sorry for Bill. Um, Bill. And while this is happening, um, Nancy's begging Bill to stay home, but he's got to go back to Atlanta. You know, shit is really kicking off down there, and um, it's getting it's getting even worse. Nancy's at home, the doorbell rings. I feel I do feel sorry for Nancy in this. Situation. I hate this scene. It Just, is so traumatizing. Yeah. It was it was really hard to watch. Really really challenging to watch, and actually, I think I paused it after this to go and make a cup of tea because I felt a little bit sad. Yeah. Um. So the mother of the the toddler that was murdered turns up at the house. Um to speak to Nancy and she's I mean obviously insanely uncomfortable and mm. horrified and um I think very nervous and, and the mother is basically trying to say that she'd come around to forgive Brian and yeah. uh, to forgive Nancy um for you know knowing that he didn't know what he'd done and because Nancy's so afraid that he does know what he did know what he was doing she just becomes almost hysterical and the mother of the the dead child I don't mean the house to describe it um asked to meet Brian and Nancy sort of just flies off the handle and yeah. absolutely not, you know, get out of the house, that yeah, kind of thing. no way. Which is so uncomfortable to watch. But she's just, she's trying to protect Brian <clears throat> and really like, no, you're not, you are not going to meet my son. I'm really sorry, but that's not, that's not going to happen. That's not possible. I think she's trying to protect Brian and herself at the mm-hmm. same time though, because I, I don't think she really knows because Brian's not talking whether he did know what he was doing, whether he did choose to do that. And I think she's terrified both for him and for herself, mm. which is what, what I think makes it so uncomfortable to watch. But it was it was shot amazingly. Like, yeah. the, the, all of the actors in that scene did such a good job of something so traumatising. Very raw. Um, and you could just see like, every ounce of, like, the mothers trying to keep it together and be positive and, like, forgive for her own sake, for her own, like, mental... Sake. And it's quite, again, it's quite a good um, contrast between the Atlanta mothers mm. who, you know, they don't even have answers. No. So how are they supposed to forgive when they don't even know? Well, how can happened? they? They have nothing nothing and nobody they to forgive. They don't have the power or the privilege in many ways to be able to do that, to be able to forgive. Some of them don't even have a body to, to grieve no, with. You exactly. know, it's, it's a good contrast between the situations. And that's one of the great things, I think, about this season is the juxtaposition between the Atlanta children and the toddler back home Mm. i think that's that's done really well Mm. and you know that's a really good point about being able to forgive or having someone to forgive they don't have an answer it's a luxury and as much as it's a horrific situation to be able to do that is is a luxury not everybody has and the atlanta mothers certainly don't so while this is happening there's an explosion in atlanta Mm. uh, which everyone seems to think is the clan sort of thing they do so it is see the why they, they would do. and i do kind of think this whole it's not the clan it's like right well 
They're probably responsible for the majority of like black deaths in yeah. Atlanta during this time, and you're quite like quite justified in thinking that that it's not them. But do you not want to think about it a bit? Kind of maybe just investigate it slightly, yeah. slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually then that leads to the the mayor, the commissioner Brown, um, standing up in front of like the congregation or the you know the the people and and trying to say you know i'm looking into it obviously we're investigating it there's only so much i can say and then one of the mothers of the missing children is you know like well what are you doing about our kids mm. what's happening he gets a bit of shit to be fair for having not caught this guy or guys so far um and i thought that was quite interesting because it felt quite real yeah what was also interesting in this is that obviously we we're watching it from sort of holden's view and we want we want the killer to be caught so we don't have any dog yeah. in this fight regards to who the killer is nope. what colour of the skin we want him caught they're very annoyed they're very annoyed they're very angry that it's been profiled as being black yeah they're not pleased with that at all so there's a sense that even they are affected by you know the the idea of race and the, the social constraints because rather than thinking right if you, well, you think if the, you think they're black then go out and get them they're like they're not black. They don't think it's black. They think it's the clan because of what they've all probably suffered, the prejudices they've suffered. Well, yeah, 100%. And that's really interesting that that blinds them as much as um, Holden has been potentially blinded by, no, it's definitely, my profile dictates that it's a black man, not white. They're equally like, no, it wouldn't be It wouldn't be a black mm. man. It's going to be the clan that are killing our boys. You're wrong to be thinking of anything else. And I think that's, that again, great juxtapositions in the show. It's a really good... Yeah that it's not all just like, we just want you to kill, catch the killer. It's like, you're, you need to catch the right person, and they're not. Mm. He, the commissioner was right to think it wouldn't go down well. He knew yep. he was right. But also, again, that's another one of those things about don't tell the press everything. Don't mm. release everything. Some exactly. things need to stay within. But again, it kind of flips back to the, the blindsidedness of Holden that he doesn't think about the alternatives. He's very pigeonholed. Yeah. They should be investigating everything. They should be investigating the clan because mm. of the one most logical thing at this point is well it probably could be them and not all of the children potentially are murdered by the same person well and that's another whole kind of worms mm. isn't it you know are they all the mo's are all different the, the styles of murder is all different as well so yeah that was a good scene yeah it was so then we get to the point where after a lot of bureaucracy and form filling and all sorts of dramas uh the crosses are finally delivered I think it's hilarious this is what's so good about the show because if you watch that, obviously like CSI and um, what's the other one? Law and Order. They're not high quality shows. No. But it's just the way that this is, there's so much, it's like they get crosses and any other show would be like, yep, the crosses are here and this the fact that they're going through. Well, this this department doesn't want to pay for it. You have to yeah. fill in this form to do that, but they won't be here to this day. Yes, the bureaucracy of this kind of thing and the fact that they showed it, I just thought it was brilliant because that's the reality. Well, yeah, and it is real. And then the fact that they turn up and they're not even assembled. Oh my God. And they have to do it. That's hilarious. There That's is, hilarious. like, I mean, this is one bit of levity here, and we do get a few bits of this where, you know, you do realise that they can have a bit of a joke because everything else is so dark, mm. watching them trying to put these crosses together. And then on the side of that, which kind of brought it down a bit, was watching Bill look at these crosses and think, yeah. fuck. Again, it, it all, it just links up so It's so cleverly done. Um, so eventually they get them together, but the march has already started, the memorial's about to start. So you've got Holden and a couple of the others running through the streets with these giant white crosses it's quite a striking scene isn't it it was considering the setting like you know in the south white man running around with a cross that's exactly what I thought I just thought people are going to think something really fucking weird is going to be going on here or awful but I thought it was really well shot I thought so you're kind of jumping between Holden trying to get ahead of the march the people at the memorials the mothers and all of the other people in the march all jumping between each other and that kind of intensity of fear that he's not going to make it on time and the whole thing's going to be fucked up yeah. anyway what was you have to remind me what is the real significance of the crosses is there a significant did the killer do something i didn't he no i th- i think it was just to give them something to memorialize with wasn't it as a was kind it, of was like remains found by like one of the homemade like um memorial crosses i, I swear Holden I was quite remember. like because otherwise they could just have a memorial. It doesn't really need to have a cross. Or do you think it's something permanent that then he might revisit? Because then it's like a, a stationary object that's like 
permanently there not just a day of marching but something that's physical and i think um, it was more like let's create a memorial with something physical and permanent okay, so that he can enough. come back and you know we're doing this big show and then it's still going to be there for people to visit but also for him yeah they can yeah. monitor it okay fair. that seems to make more sense um it was pretty <laughs> was pretty awful mm. um but you know really well done at the same time very well shot like that kind of panic of and then going through the, the side streets and then seeing the procession, yeah. trying to get ahead of it. And yeah. the, I think the music in the background was like violin music or mm. something, which was quite tense. I good think chase it, music. Good chase music. Um, uh, on the other side of it, though, we've got uh, good old Wendy being very awkward with her new beau, um, asking her to move in to the spare room. Yeah, Wendy, you know... Wendy these, love. This, this bunch, the older... BSU, they're, they're just not the best socially, are they? They don't read social cues. No. Yeah, yeah. are you asking me to be your girlfriend or are you asking me to be your roommate? It was just so painful. It was really... I and then felt she, for Wendy. I felt for her because she just knew she'd fucked up. She's like, ah, oh, this, this hasn't gone very well. But she was really trying. Mm. She's just not very good She thought it. she'd done something. She thought she'd done something nice and it's like, no... You want to make some extra rent, or you want to get rid of your spare room, or like, yeah, what if was, you want you to have some time on your own, do I have to go and sit in my room? Like, oh it was really uncomfortable because also her girlfriend is so opposite to Wendy and so forthright mm. and upfront that it makes it even more painful because Wendy is clearly just like, uh, uh, what do I do? What do I say? Yeah, How have I fucked this up? She? And she's really trying, and and also the last relationship she had was awful by the sounds of it. Yeah, so it's pretty traumatic. Yeah, it's pretty sad, isn't it? Not what <sighs> you do, really. No. Offer out your spare room to your girlfriend. No. Poor old Wendy. Yeah. So, episode seven, bloobs, Lucy. Wow, it's over already. Um, I thought it was really, really strong, um, well-structured, well-paced episode. Um, I thought after the lull of last week, we really, like, mm. hit the ground running with this one. Um like with the uh, introduction Literally. of the, the murdered child's mother, that kind of standoff with Nancy, <laughs> Crossgate, which I just thought was, was funny and classic. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm actually going to give it a five. I thought it was a really strong, really gripping episode. I agree. Return to form. I agree. After giving Shocker three blue. Oh, God. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know this system, it's very simple. Zero is the worst, five is the best, and there can be no halves. Uh, I agree. Five blue for me. I really enjoyed this. Crossgate was amazing. Hmm. Um, poor old Wendy really tugged at my heartstrings. And yeah. actually, we got some action everywhere across this yeah. episode from every part of it. And funnily enough, I don't think we got much gun. So maybe that did impact my score. Do you hate gun? I don't know, I'm starting to feel against him, I think. What I think is interesting about Gunn is that we, and this again, this is behind the beauty of uh, Mindhunter with playing with your expectations, is that, you know, we started off, we discussed him a little bit, like, is he going to be a baddie? Is he going to try and stop mm. them? Not really anything, he's just he's just the boss. And yeah, he might be a bit skeezy, he's undermining Wendy a bit, but... Well, so it's actually in, not, the, in the not grand much, scheme. Yeah, there's not much to say about him, good or bad. And I love it, because they could have just made him into a cliched, like... Bad mm. boss or sinister boss or sleazy. He's not really. He just just a kind of stereotypical. He's a bit arrogant, but seventies bloke. Yeah, he wants to get results, and that's that. And I, I just love that they never go down the road that you think they're going to go down. Maybe it's because English. I can't work it out. Maybe that's why I don't yeah, know how I feel yet. But that's that's good because it's it's not, you don't know where it's going. Hmm. Well, that's episode seven. Before we go into episode eight, it's time for a little advert break. Advert break. Hello, uh, it's that time of the episode where we hawk our wares to you. So if you are enjoying this content, uh, then please do look at what else we do. There's loads of stuff on the fan critical channels that we cover. Uh, we've recently just done Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was a great and enjoyable podcast with myself and John. John and Gareth are going to be releasing their next episode of The Worst of Netflix, where they trawl through Netflix to find a zero bloob film. Watch it, review it, so you don't have to make your eyes bleed by doing it yourself. It's hilarious, it's great fun, 
and uh, there have been some really good ones uh we will be recommencing our coverage of the walking dead next month after yes. much debate across the team it's what the people want uh, it's what the people want it is what the people want um so do look forward to that uh, castle rock critical one of our baby podcasts is going to be releasing coverage of it too with some of the lads and then the girls will be back at you in the next couple of months with our retrospective review of carrie yep book original film and remake yeah it's gonna be hard work that so Mm. give us a bit of time but it will be coming Uh, so if you do enjoy what we do and you want to keep up with the latest then you can follow us on social media we are at fan critical pod on twitter fan underscore critical on instagram fan critical on facebook and you can even email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com now if you really like what we're doing you can support us on patreon lucy would you like to tell the team about patreon and uh, maybe give a shout out to one of our newest subscribers i would so you can support us on patreon there are different levels of tiers blueberry tiers obviously you can go to patreon.com forward slash fancritical um, you'll get access to bonus podcasts such as our Cast It podcast, where we recast classic films and TV with other actors with hilarious results most of the time. <laughs> um, and there's different tiers where you can chat to us. So we have a, a Patreon called Jamie that we chat to once a month. And there's also tiers where you can even be involved in a podcast, which, spoiler warning, maybe coming up in the next few months, we may have Woo! some Patreons that are going to reach the dizzying levels and you know that could be you it could be dear you. listener um we've had a new patron recently jason jason nelson um he's really loving what we're doing he's loving the mine hunter so sorry for the delay jason but we're back at you um so thank you so much for your support and if you'd like to make like jason and support us as i say www.patreon.com forward slash fan critical whatever you can give is much appreciated thanks guys now back to mind hunter back to the studio So, episode eight, the penultimate episode of season two. Um, There has been some organising of a benefit event to raise money for the families. This is real. Yeah. Obviously, but yes, in that Based on the true life. It's interesting because Frank Sinatra, a bit of a prick, really. Love Frank Sinatra, by the way. Music, you know, what a voice. Old blue eyes. But, you know, he wasn't the nicest man or husband. But socially, he was on a lot of the right side of history with he a lot of things. He was very giving with a lot of things. Yes, and I mean, he made a film, I think post-war, like a short, basically about, I think it was called The House I Live In. I listened to a really good podcast, by the way, guys, called You Must Remember This. Oh, it's is, great. Yeah, I really, if you're into old Hollywood, it's a must listen. Um, and it was basically about, um, you know, how being an American doesn't just mean you're white and that, you know, all, all, mm. all, one nation under God and, you know, you shouldn't discriminate against people because of the colour of their skin or their religion or their background. You know, he was pretty progressive mm. in that way. You know, he supported um, Kennedy, another you know. complicated figure, but, you know, <clears throat> on the right side of history. And I think that's... I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of just Frank Sinatra singing, but I understand why. But um, it showed that, you know, a lot of the media didn't really care, but there's someone of that... that magnitude in the 80s you know was on the wane a bit but it was interesting to see like oh wow he tried to use his star power for good for the the people of atlanta where a lot of people just including the police didn't even really seem to care no and also a white man yeah which is what really has an impact at this point isn't it and um what i think it was it's very interesting to keep that in because obviously it is based on real life and, mm. and obviously a really important part of it but what it does is it it brings up an idea for Holden. It's full of ideas, this man, isn't yeah. he? Um, so he thinks that if they offer security jobs, the killer will volunteer. So he wants to interview people and, um, you know, for the jobs and see if he can find out if one of the people that volunteers will, will be the guy. But it turns out this is scuppered because of a time frame. Mm. But what does happen around this while they're looking at an interview space with Trudy, the lady from the hotel? Oh, yeah. Is that she spots um, a couple of the kids like yeah. that she looks after, and then they realise that the kids hang out at the arcade. Yes, this is really interesting. There was a lot of um, well, it was thought that some of the kids went missing from there, um, and they would at least have known probably some of the children that went missing. This is an interesting <clears throat> scene, but again, this is where Holden's lack of social. Q, 
cues. I almost want to say prowess then, but that's not what I mean. Yeah, but it is really. Like, he's speaking to them and he's getting good information. Why are you getting your FBI badge out in front of these little black kids? Creepy. But it's just, you're going to drive them away. Like, speaking, he could speak to them on a level and he's pretty good. Like, he's, he's a good communicator yeah. in some ways. Why have you, like, you think because now you've got your badge out and they know that you're the feds that they're going to start, like, giving you more information. And it, it frustrated me because I thought, you're actually on a good track here. You yeah. can probably get more information. Fucking take them, like, go and get them ice cream and just sit and chat and, like, ask some more questions about, you know, some of the kids that went missing and where, like, who did they hang around with? And it highlights the difference between him and Bill so yeah. much, doesn't it? Um, and it, I think it's in this episode as well where he starts to find out that some of the kids will do stuff for money. Yes, because poverty, like, and the, the detective that they were, the former detective um, that they see a couple of episodes ago, he says, like, poverty is the killer. It's mm. the fact that these children can be lured with money yep. is the killer of these children, ultimately. So, yeah, they, they may well be selling themselves for money, and that puts them at great risk. Sure does. So, whilst this is happening, the profile starts to fill out a little bit. Uh, so we now know that, according to Holden and the team, he drives a police-like vehicle, mm-hmm. lives with his parents, and owns a dog. Why does he think he's got a dog? Because it's easier to get kids with a dog. Definitely I don't is. think they ever gave us a reason for that, but probably, he yes. He just went, yeah, he's about 25, 26, lives with his parents, has a dog. Like, where is so like, coming but- from? The rest of it, fine. That dog. The dog thing, I think I think someone says it later on, or maybe I just said it in my brain. Yeah, maybe it's either easier to lure kids, yeah. but also potentially it's a security measure. So if he's got them in his home and the dog starts barking, it's he knows true, he has actually, to hide yeah. them or things like that. It's true. It's just a good talking point, isn't it? Like, well, yeah. Strike up a conversation. It's with like the whole lost puppy thing in a park. Oh, yeah. I've lost my puppy. Can you help me find it? Yep. Abduction. Um, so I've got a new body. We're up to 20 missing slash dead kids. And Holden's now convinced that he'll change his MO now. And uh, lo and behold, that does happen. Mm. While this is going on, Nancy's telling Bill that she wants to move away. She needs a change. They've got to change their life. Go to another Go to another place. Deal with that by, by going away. I make her right, to be honest. Well, change is as good as a rest. Why would you want to live in the neighbourhood and everyone knows that your son is like creepy baby crucifier? Yeah, but I suppose it's the balance as well on the other side of it of if you're moving... And you're leaving, is that not admitting guilt? But there is guilt, like... Well, yeah, that's true, I suppose. I mean, it's not really Nancy and Bill's fault, but it's a human emotion and it it should be felt by by a child. You know, if they can... If they're developed correctly, Mm. I guess. Um, And it's not even about that. I think it's about what is best for the family. Maybe he... like, And then nobody knows. He can go to a school and it can just all be normal and he can get the help that he needs. I don't know. I, I can completely understand... Why she wants to do that, I think that's a normal, natural thing for her to want to do. Well, and also she's totally at the end of her tether, isn't she? And she's on her own. Like I do feel sorry for Nancy because she's having to deal with this on her own. Bill's always off. Mm -hmm. She's dealing with this silent child that she doesn't know what's going on in his head. She can't communicate with him. I feel sorry for her. Like it's really difficult situation. And I I get where she's coming from. You know, it started with wanting a new sofa and now it's you know a fresh start and, and I do get it so I think after this conversation she goes right you're picking him up from school mm. he's your problem today yeah um which which I do get because it must be awful having to deal with this like yeah on your own I do I do really feel for Nancy I just wish that I just wish it was easier for all of them so Bill picks Brian up from school and he takes him for ice cream that's um, quite nice which is nice and Ironically, that's, that's, you just said that's what Holden should have done with the kids in Atlanta. So I actually do think ice cream Bill. solves everything. I think you might um, be right. It's just it's more like doing something on his level, and rather than I'm not saying oh yeah, his level is ice cream, but everyone likes ice cream. He's a kid, and it's not expecting anything of him. Like go and play football, go and do this. It's just let's yeah, chat. Let's just go and have a banana split. And it's just quite a nice little bonding thing. And you know he does eat, and it, it, he seems to relax slightly. Um, and Bill, rather than expecting him to talk, just talks to him. Mm. Um, and I think he opens up quite a bit to Brian and says, you know, oh, I don't know how you feel, but I'm scared. But then I also think, like, obviously love Bill. It's very focused on him. I need to know how you feel because this scares me and I don't want to be scared. It's like very eye-based here, Bill. You're not talking to Brian about he, how he feels. You need to tell me how you feel because I don't like how I, don't like how I feel right now. I don't want to be scared. I'm scared. But it does seem to get Brian's attention. And actually at this point... It does, but I think... Brian hasn't spoken for about six fucking weeks. No. I don't think... Has he ever spoken? I don't think I've ever heard him say a peep. Well, who knows? He just stands there silently staring. But I just... Yeah, I think really for Bill, like you need to stop centering yourself around this and think of 
Brian, like, how do you feel? Not because I want to know, because it's important to me, because I'm struggling. How do you feel? How are you? This is me being my, the child psychiatrist again. But I did, I do remember that thinking, yeah, you're kind of asking, you're putting it all on yourself mm. rather than centering him in as the focus of this. But ice cream is always a good idea. So you get some marks for that. Regardless of what happens, you got him ice cream. That's got to make your beliefs feel a little yeah. bit better. Some points have been earned. Poor little Brian. Uh, so back in Atlanta, lo and behold, the Atlanta child murder does change his MO. Mm. And they find a body, body number 21, in a river. So clearly he's trying to avoid any physical evidence. You know, there's been lots of, like, threads and fibres and things like yeah, that. Yeah, lots of stuff's being found. Um, so dumping them in the river means that most of that will be washed away. So clearly this guy is smart. Um, and he is listening to what's going on. So Holden was right, as much as it pains me to say it. Clearly he is listening to what the mm. press are saying. Either that or he's got an ear to the ground somewhere. Well, um, yeah. So after this, uh, they decide to canvas the bridges to see if he's dumping any bodies yes and what actually this is a little bit like um last episode but what happens here is this just kind of quite funny montage of cops in cars on bridges yeah eating donuts and trying to stay awake with coffee and, and being super hot because it's like sweltering. oh god yeah it's like hundreds of degrees um and uh, eventually i think this goes on for like four weeks nothing happens they don't catch him um and then they get you've got one last night and then it's over and of course oh. one last night what happens we need a couple of rookie cops hear a splash from a bridge and uh they catch some bloke in a car yeah i mean his behavior is a bit odd like turning around like that because he like drove over and then he sort of looped back around to come back yeah it was all a bit creepy He's an odd character. Very, very odd. So they pull over Wayne Williams. And in this four-week period, the body count's gone up to 27. This could be number 28. Um, They've heard a splash. (laughs) They've heard a splash. Um, They see a car. They pull him over. And we're like, who's this dude? What what are you doing on a bridge at three in the morning driving around? He's like, oh, I'm just, uh, I'm a music producer. I'm off to see, uh, I think it's Cheryl. Uh, she Cheryl gave, Jackson or she gave me her number um, and I thought I'd pop around to see what her singing voice like and we were all like at 3am it's a dry run to practice the route creepy alright mate okay creepy that actually just FYI is true yeah that, that really happened that was his excuse yeah so they get him out of the car and all of a sudden they spot in the back some rope gloves and uh, some carpet fibres miscellaneous miscellaneous murder kit it's a murder kit He's got an answer for everything, though. And he has. He's a smart young man. Because it's his uncle's car, so... Not my car. Don't know what that's all I about. I don't know what, what, that, what that What is. are you talking about? Do you have a dog? No, there's dog hair. Not my car. Exactly. So they take him to have a chat with him um, in the car, and Holden says to the guys, right, document and collect all of the evidence, right? Oh. Should he have been more specific, or are they dumb? Or a mixture? I don't know if he just said document or what. I can't remember and I haven't rewatched it more than twice so I've forgotten to pick it up but essentially what happens is they start questioning Wayne then they call it in then they're told to let him go he drives off and they're like well where's the evidence oh I just I wrote it down like you said for fuck's sake guys seriously so the rope's gone the gloves are gone dog hair's fibers are gone so we go to his house don't we we do um we do something before that but yes at some point we go we go to his house the next day and in the next episode okay i believe scratch that then scratch that um meanwhile wendy's round at her girlfriend's house where we see wayne williams drive off and we're thinking for fuck's sake this could be the guy and you screwed it we're gonna have to go back tomorrow with a warrant Mm. um so wendy's round at her girlfriend's house the door knocks and her husband and her son turn up yes this is awkward it is awkward. And sad. Yeah, I think... Ugh. I mean, understandable, but also sad. So the husband turns up, so like, oh, if you've forgotten that it's your turn, and she clearly has, she was supposed to be going out with Wendy, and he's like, oh, have you got someone here? He's like, no, oh, it's just a friend, um, yeah. you know, whatever, and Wendy hears that, and oh, she's just told her that she, you know, she wants this, she wants to go all in, and opened her heart up to her, and now she's being described well, she as says, just a friend. She says that, oh, I want to introduce whatever the child's name is to someone and he goes oh is it someone important she's like oh no it's not anyone important and that's the, like you know she's going to hear that just don't say that like yeah. that you know that's going to be really hurtful and she's a completely different person with the husband like 
Yeah. And Wendy says later, doesn't she? Like, you changed your voice. Like Everything, everything about different. you changed. And of course for Wendy, because she's a psychologist. Mm. She picks up she, on that very easily. So much more than anybody else does. And of course that's going to hurt her. And it's a real shame. Mm. It's really sad. It is sad. I feel bad for her. It's embarrassing as well. Yeah. Like, well, it's lurking of... there, like, hearing your girlfriend like act like you don't mean anything. And you don't exist. Mm. It's just really kind of sad. Not nice. But I do also, at the same time, feel a bit for her girlfriend because actually you know maybe in 1979 1980 that wouldn't go down very well and maybe she really does want to hide that i mean i don't think she should have to but then but maybe I, that's her on perspective the other side, like again wendy does bring this up she acts like she's this like free spirit and she's living yeah. her best life and she's of her authentic self it's like well, are you because you're putting on mm. a voice to your husband and you're hiding who you are and like you say that it's probably a necessity at that time but don't act like you're the free one and wendy's like the, the closeted wreck when actually you're both having to play that game a bit because it's yeah, society. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. It's a very good point. Um, and then one of the final things that we get in this episode uh, is a shot of BTK. He's, he's back. He's back. He's in his uh, ADT van, I think, watching a couple come and go in and out of their house. Oh, yeah. Mm. Just doing a bit of pre-attack stalking. Recon. Recon. Murder recon. Mm. Um, and that's pretty much it from episode eight. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to bloop first. Do we have, is Wendy's showdown with her episode this, 9. Oh okay. okay. I believe. Bloop then. Bloop. Uh I'm going to bloop this one. It's better. It's improved. Um from like some of the ones in the kind of middle round. I am going to give this a 4 bloop. Yes, I'm going to give 4 as well. I think again that they can be a bit hard to differentiate because the Atlanta murders are so nothing I mean we've got had a breakthrough obviously and the, the Wayne Williams thing has done really well and I don't know if you've seen what he looked like it's quite yeah. a good likeness very good um, and he was a, a quite an eccentric fellow um, apparently so that was good and it's just that kind of there's something uncanny about him and his excuses you just think he's got them and he doesn't stumble he's not flustered but they're no. very odd um, so that was a good kind of bit of intrigue into oh there is someone and he does not seem right um, I'm going to give it a four as well yeah, I think, you know, great things about it, but we're getting to the point where I know that the last episode is going to take all my boxes, so comparatively... Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Uh, so let's move on to episode nine. Uh, so before we talk about the episode, did you notice the forced credits at the beginning of this? So you had to watch the credit scene, and they changed the music to choral music. No. <laughs> I don't notice things like this. Creepy as fuck. So the same, it's like basically the same intro, but sung by a choir. Oh, wow. I'll have to go back and revisit it. It's really not cool, man. Okay. It's really creepy. Anyway, so that opens up for a really creepy episode, full stop. So uh, we talk about Wayne Williams. He is our main focus in this episode. Um, The story that he tells is very true, as we said. Um, He's 100% like, nah, that murder kit at the back seat, not mine. That, don't know, it's my uncle's car. Who knows what's going on? So, um... Police find out that Cheryl Johnson, Jackson Johnson, doesn't exist. Mm. Uh, they try the number, it goes through to some restaurant or something, um, or dry cleaners somewhere. Yeah, completely. and the other one's just disconnected, isn't it? It's yeah. just not a number. Um, so they go back to talk to him at his house next day. He's pretty evasive. Um, and then we find out a little bit more about him as they go around questioning people. So he's pretty well known as trying to find the best new talent as a music producer. Mm. And he's always advertising for kids with musical talent. Yeah, and he's got his little leaflets that he can give yeah, out. creepy leaflets. children. Which, all in all, starting to sound pretty fucking weird. He's starting to sound pretty convincing as well. And it links back to one of the kids um, who wrote songs and sung. Yes. Very, very much so. Mm. So at one point in this episode, they talked to um, a guy at a recording studio. Yes, yeah. He basically says, I mean, he's, he's weird as fuck, but he's all right. He's, he's harmless. He's not violent, doesn't have a temper. Yeah. Um, which is usually, well, always watch out for the quiet ones. Yeah, and also probably not with you because you're like a fully grown adult man. So you, you yeah. don't see that. But what about with anybody else? Little children. So... He then starts, while they're interviewing him, he starts to say, well, it's obviously the clan, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Again, you know, probably should be investigating this, but sounds pretty evasive to me. And uh, so then Holden disguise, decides to use the oldest trick in the book and asks to use the bathroom. Yeah. Where he happens to turn to the other direction, to the spare room, where somebody has locked up a dog. Yeah. So he didn't have a dog. Yeah, my uncle does. Got an answer for everything, haven't you, Wayne? You have, Wayne. You bloody have. 
Um, what did you think of Wayne at this point? I think he, you can see he's very bright because as much as he is a bit evasive, he's also, he does cooperate um, and he has got an answer for everything. Mm. He's not having to stumble and think and wonder and like go over his words. He's, yeah, he's very comfortable. He's very calm. Arrogant. Like, he is calm. He's not arrogant like outwardly, but there that kind of, the ease with which he can make up these ridiculous sort of alibis there is like that underlying sense of arrogance which is something that I think Holden pinpointed that he would be a bit of a narcissist and he would think he was smarter than everyone else and so far he has been so you know you've got that right at least he's also he comes across as incredibly intelligent yeah but only when he's talking with the FBI the rest of the time he seems like he's a bit bumbly and a bit soft yeah and I think it's a very clever act which is what's even creepier because you can imagine kids really like engaging with that yeah because you just seem simple and he does seem yeah like fairly harmless and it's just what a great ploy like he's known as a music producer so he's going to be able to attract kids Mm. um and yeah i mean that's a great tool for grooming and if anyone asks what are you doing with that why are you hanging out leaflets yeah i'm a record producer i just want to like find new talent it's a good front for this the operation that he's potentially running. Well, it's almost legit, isn't it? He has actually recorded demos yeah. with kids. He is a record producer. He is also a pro- he is also a photographer. So that's interesting. This, and I'm not sure if it's in this episode or the last one, and I didn't put it in my recap, and I apologise. But one of the guys bring because um, he's they've been asked to go back over all of the basically the paedophiles in the area, mm. um, and one of the guys comes back with this case about um, one of the creepy houses that we saw yes, ages ago and says. White- yeah, the White House or the Yellow House. I think it was, was it brown, but the guy was white. Yeah, one of the houses. And they found like hundreds upon hundreds of Polaroids in this house. And when he looks back through um, the records, it says they were only of white kids, but he remembers cataloguing through these hundreds of Polaroids and finding loads of black kids. Yeah. And that's been hidden. And that makes you wonder what's why going it, on. Why has it been hidden? Well. Who's hidden it? Well, exactly. And then when they start talking about him being a photographer as well as a producer, you kind of think, is he involved? Could this be another part of it where, you know, he gets kids to record a demo, then he takes them to the house and mm. maybe it's some kind of ring, you yeah, know, we have mentioned before. Be and also what they um, they posit, which is could be really interesting, is the fact that as a photographer... And well, who is he a photographer with? Remind me. Did he have a... He has like a press pass or something. So they say, let's check and see if he's taken any photos of the crime scene. I think he um, was um, like, like self-employed. He's self-employed, but he does it. He did it for a certain agency he, or something. Yeah, and he was at one of the crime scenes where all the press like mm. hammered down on them on the side of the road somewhere where they were looking for bodies. Yeah, and you don't realise it until later on to go flash back to it. It's really interesting. Because actually he's inserting himself into the investigation. Exactly. Potentially if he is the killer. And they're souvenirs of the photos. So that was really interesting. And it just kind of, there's more layers of, oh gosh, this, mm. this could be the guy. But again, it could not be. Mm. And we'll talk about that later. So then they find another body in the river. Yeah. This is like body 28 or 29 at this point. We're nearly at the end. However, it's an adult. It is. Which opens up some other questions. Mm. Does it not? Um, because it is very much outside of the usual victim pool of what we would consider the Atlanta monster, so and to speak. And also, it's a, it's a big guy, isn't he? He's like over six foot. Um, yeah. I can't remember the name. And this guy, Wayne, he's a chubby little... He's not that tall. How is he no. going to lift, using his upper body, to chuck it over the bridge? going to be pretty hard work. Yeah, pretty hard so work. It, that doesn't necessarily add up. But they're like, well, we found a body in the river. Obviously, it was him because mm. we heard a splash and we saw him driving around. But they've obviously got no proof. No. Um, so they try to get surveillance on him. Yes. And so they go to the DA because they want to so arrest good. him. The DA is like, no, we're not having that. But you can have surveillance. That's fine. So they follow him around. Are they dumb? Because why are they uh, following I mean, I him don't around? No. Why are you using two people that the killer could, well, the suspect can identify that has interviewed them? To fucking trail him. Do you think he's stupid? If he's as smart as you think he is, why do you think he's going to not notice that the two people that have interviewed him previously are now driving around behind him? Also, before that, we've got the farce of the bloke trying to fucking attach the tracker to the car. Oh, God, that was... Yeah, that was nervy. That was... I mean, it was nervy, but also... Like rear window. Seriously, be better. Yeah. He was pretty... He was pretty good, though. He was well, pretty quiet. So they get a tracker, but they don't get 
the the old microphone recording. Yeah, exactly. which is a shame, but you know, fine. So then they start tracking. Him. And you're right. They've got. They've got. They should just be using plain clothes. Yes. Somebody else. Just anyone other, else. Other officers. Why do you two FBI agents in your stupid suits? Have to do it right at the front. It's dumb. It's very stupid. It was pretty dumb. And also there were like eight cars trailing him at this point. Yeah, so um, So then we find out, obviously, that Wayne Williams has uh, has clearly spotted them. Yes. He pulls into a drive-thru and as they're parked waiting, he comes over That's and funny. hands them both the hamburger. <laughs> cracking. And their faces, they're just like, brilliant. Cool. We fucked us up, so didn't we? Um, it was a bit of a shame, but not really unsurprising. Uh, so that happens and then... Wayne Williams then kind of drags everyone off at some point to go and yell outside the commissioner's house. Yeah. It all gets a bit weird. But they finally get a search warrant um, for the house after this. And they go in. Carpets change. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Bit dodgy that, isn't it? Yeah, it's all fine. It's all good. Nothing's there anymore. No, no evidence. Except for a tiny little patch of green carpet. We -hmm. did find some green fibres on the old victims. Yes. So clearly he's been... He's way ahead of them at this point. Um, if he is indeed the Atlanta child murderer. Mm. We have some questions around that. So after this happens, his, uh, his name is leaked to the press. And um, they just descend on his house. It's really bad. Like, it Which is awful. It shouldn't have been leaked. Especially when... No, especially when they don't know. What's that noise? It's just the table. Oh. Especially when they don't know if, um, if he's actually guilty of everything. Yeah. You know, at this point, they probably have the suspicion of this one, like, late teens, early 20s guy that has been found in the river. But they've got nothing really to link him to anything else. No. And they've jumped the gun a little bit here. Um, but he decides that he's going to take things into his own hands and uh, invites all the press in for a press yep. conference. The arrogance again, you have to say. Holy shit. Um, so he get, he basically like comes out of the house, stands up in front of them and goes, right, come on then, like, give him my two cents. I am not the Atlanta monster because this is what's gone out in all the papers. Um, those of you that want to hear the truth, come in, come in right now. And he's got like 20 reporters sitting in his living room recording. He's like court, isn't he? And do you know what? There's a little part of me that thinks, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, he's well within his rights to do so. Um... And if he if he truly is the murderer, then he's got some fucking cojones to do that. To be that confident and just be mm. like, I will hold court and I will give my side of the story rather than trying to disappear into obscurity. He's putting his name out there even more. He's got to do something with it, you know. Like yeah. He, he gets them all to trail him to the commissioner's house and yells about how they've ruined his life by putting his name in the papers and stuff yeah. like that. So, you know, at least he's maximising it somehow. Yeah. <sighs> Get more record sales, maybe. Well, maybe he might finally become the music producer he's always wanted to be. Yeah. But alas, no, he won't, because things start to real barrel along here at this point. Yeah. Um, he's he's arrested, finally. Well, have we spoken to the neighbour yet? Because the neighbour says that he was having a bonfire. Oh, no, we haven't. So, Good yeah, point. Which is also like, oh, all right, okay, that's bait again. Yeah, and there's lots of those little bits and pieces that kind of, like, tease us in that he's yeah. been doing this, he's been doing that. And I think that happens the day that the press conference happens, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, they speak to the neighbour. Um, but then he is finally arrested not long after that by the Atlanta PD, not by the FBI, which mm. is fair, it's their yeah. case. Um, but he's only actually charged with uh, the murder of the two adults, yes. Jimmy Ray and Nathaniel Cater. Um, so one of them was earlier on and one of them was the one they found in the river. Mm. Which, none of the kids, just these two. There's no evidence of the kids. Well, there why. is no evidence. Not even sure there's evidence of these two at this point. I think, wasn't one of them potentially cater like his boyfriend or, you know, they'd had, they'd the been hinted. seen together and yeah. holding hands. There's definitely something at that and, you know, the the... Basically, then the commissioner holds a conference to say, you know, he's been charged at these t- at this time for these two, but we think he's basically guilty of the rest of them. But mm. until we have evidence, and then two days later, we've got no evidence. This is it. Case closed. Yep. And that is that's kind of the end of Wayne Williams at this point. Yeah, it's funny because he he's quite a character, but he's not really in it that much. But I guess that's kind of the nature of the story because. He wasn't found guilty of any of the child murders. And no one ever has been. You see that in the end credits. Yeah. You know, the 27 children that, that were murdered. It's that thing where the police go, well, we think we've got our man. That'll do. We're not, there's no need to investigate any further. And there's kind of, there's lots of other theories that are 
posited throughout the season, like with the weird house near the stadium, mm. that bloke there and all the Polaroids and things like that. And actually that it could be the clan or it could be multiple people. It yeah. could be a sex ring. It could be just lots of different murderers. You know, there is a girl in there at one point, isn't there? Yeah, there is a girl. Which is very odd. Um, although preferential under a certain age, it does make sense. Now I sound like a creep. <laughs> Fuck, sorry everyone. Um, but Holden goes back to the mothers after this and he's like, look, I told you we'd get him and, you know. Holden, read the room. Dude. You didn't get him. You didn't get him at you all. You think this is justice? And they're like, well, we don't have any answers. What, what do you mean? There's no justice for us. There's no justice for our kids. They don't believe he did it. No. Um, and we do barely see Wendy in this episode. Yeah, I feel So I think like she does have of... that little fight with um, her girlfriend here. She's quite, like, harsh to her. She kind of gives her some home truths. And she's also closing herself off. Yeah. But it's like she's kind of... She's she's opened herself up and she's tried to embrace it. And now it's gone back in her face. She comes in with the psychological analysis and about how, yeah, you think you're free, you think you're this, but you're not. Um, you're just living the same button-down life as everyone else. And you're pretending that actually makes you worse. Yeah. Um, it does and she won't let her back in and that, it looks like that's that for um, Wendy's relationship which is a shame I can understand it though yeah. I get it like I really do and I, I, I'm quite proud of Wendy for being so brutally honest yeah she's she's hardcore isn't she like she won't damn straight gladly definitely not um, it, I think what's a big shame about this season is that Wendy hasn't been involved in the Atlanta child murders yeah but I think that's because that's del- obviously intentional. It's not just, oh, the writers forgot that Wendy's a thing. No, no, no. It's showing that, yeah, she's being sidelined. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think she would have really had some use down there. Like, yeah, some really good do, insight. To do the profiling rather than just holding, just shutting his eyes and pulling stats out of his ass. Yeah. I think actually some background and some real sort of psychological evidence would have been quite handy. Yeah. Maybe Greg could have even helped. No, Greg. No, probably not. Greg doesn't help. Poor old Greg. Um, I mean, this this opened up a whole thing for me because I didn't really know much about the Atlanta child murders, mm. and I purposefully didn't look anything up until I finished watching season two, and then I fell into a hole. Yeah. Um, and still haven't finished, if I'm honest. And it's fascinating. It's terrible. It's awfully it's really awful. frustrating. I mean, obviously, it's horrific for the families involved. Like. There is a killer potentially out there. Justice mm. has not been done. But just as a, like, story, quote-unquote, it is frustrating because there isn't a good resolution. No. Like, with so many murders, you don't get a neat resolution. Well, it's 40 years on, and yeah. none of them have been solved. None of them have an actual conviction against them. They're not open, either. They've been briefly reopened and then closed again because there's no evidence. I think the new sort of mayors and, like, commissioners, the cities, they're yeah. all like, I'll be the one to reopen it, and then it gets such a, like... They can't go anywhere with it that it gets shut down and everyone seems to want to be the one to try and it... It's just so fucking tragic, isn't it? It's awful. It really is. Speaking of tragic, not to kind of just put that down as a a little thing. Um, Two last things happen in the finale of season two. So Bill gets home having allegedly called Wayne Williams to a completely empty house. It's just that shitty old sofa left. Yeah, that's that's the final kick in the gut there. Nancy and Brian have gone. I mean... I'm not surprised. You're married to an FBI agent. Do you not think that he's going to get you done for kidnapping? That's kidnapping. That's an FBI... Well, is it? It is kidnapping, yeah. Oh, sweet, okay. It would be abduction because your child has been taken and you don't know where they are. Parents can't just do that. That's a very good point. I shouldn't think of it that way. That's the first thing I said. I was like, well, that's a kidnapping offence. Okay, for that, I'm in the FBI. Yeah, and that's where they get involved. I was like, why has she done that? Obviously, I don't think he would do that, but... Oh, it's just so difficult because I kind of feel... As we said, like, the whole way through, I feel for Nancy and I understand why she... Why she wants to leave and start Mm. something afresh and why she's so frustrated with Bill. But at the same time, I kind of wanted to think about you know, this is his job, you've been married to him for however long, you know, you have to accept that and look at what he's trying to do for all of these other mothers. Yeah. And there is that other side of it, you know, there's probably a part of it that goes She can only fuck, think but... about what she needs and yeah. not... But really... I don't blame her for that. I think he probably should have just taken some leave if possible. Like, should have at least, but, but also like how do you week. tell the FBI that your kid's been involved in a murder? I'm sick. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where that pans out. 
Yeah, that was. I, f- I just feel for Bill, and she hasn't given him any warning. But you know, this is an offence, Nancy. It's abduction. You can't just take your kid like that without telling the other parent. Yeah, Nance. What are you doing, Nance? And the last view, if we get the la la la, and the last view that we get of uh, BTK Dennis Raider, he's in a hotel room, clown mask on, lovely heels, and a nighty, doing a bit of self-sexual asphyxiation lovely. over all of his trophies. Yep. That's that a normal thing to do. Basically bookends the entire season too. Yeah. He's still a background figure, but he's getting weirder. How do you feel about how little or how much we've had of BTK? I don't mind. I think it's quite interesting to have him as a thread running through that kind of informs their views on the other killers that we're mm-hmm. dealing with. But I do think they're building up to something. And the fact that we know, well, so I'm sure a lot of us know, what we know about um, Dennis Rader, it makes sense that it, it's just a background for now because it, well, it's yeah. not resolved quickly, is it? So no. I no. don't mind. I No, I agree. And I think I, I just really want to see more, well, you know what I mean. Um, I'm really excited to see it mm. develop and like to, for them to start investigating him, yeah, which and potentially to, could happen. To build more of the profile, I think that would be really interesting. So, Lucy, what would you bloob the final episode of season two? Final episode. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a four. Oof. I had to really think. I do you know what? I love this last episode. I liked the way it wrapped quite a few things up, but it left also quite a few things open and ready for season three um i really enjoyed the kind of drama of the wayne williams stuff and mm. um I it's it got to be a five rushed. i felt it was a bit rushed it's got to be a five bloop for me i loved yeah. it no i thought it was all a little bit crammed in and the, and the fact that wendy was hardly in it i think was mm. wasn't deliberate i think they just were like oh, i don't have time for that one more episode um, because they took so long to get somewhere and then suddenly like they've got Wayne I would have liked some more time investigating him I think he was a really interesting character and it kind of just squished it in all into the last two episodes um, so yeah, I, yeah I, good I, point. I would give it a four well I suppose that kind of leads on to my last question for you Lucy is what do you think is going to happen in season three um, I'm wondering I mean uh, the timelines I don't think the timelines are that concrete really in the show I don't think they'd stri- they're sticking to it strictly. Well, we're 80-ish at this point. It's like 80, 80, 81, I think. Yeah. I'm wondering um, if Bundy's going to make an appearance. Ooh. Because he's such... He's really, like... enjoying a good idea, Enjoying actually. a resurgence in popularity right now. Um, yeah. And I think that's someone you could really potentially get a lot of useful information. Another narcissist probably would be happy to talk about... Although he denies that he did it, doesn't he? But you could still get some information from him well provided it's not one of the two times he escaped from fucking jail Eep. um i think potentially bundy um and we're gonna see more of bill's deterioration mm. and maybe wendy hopefully wendy being happy but i don't know holden just being weird and blank again um yeah i agree um i also think that season three will be btk yeah. I think it has to be at this point, because otherwise they've wasted a lot of that actor's time. Yeah. Um, and if they keep dragging it on, I'm going to get annoyed. I think Bundy's a really good shout. Just as like a one episode, like, we're going to interview Bundy, not like... No, no, no. Like, it'd be good. caught by now, I assume. When did he get caught? Off the top of my head, I can't remember, but about around now, yeah. So I think it might move on a bit. I'm going to just... Um, you and, you know, like a one episode of, like, Manson, I think. I really mm-hmm. hope that Kemper remains this weird little kind of sidebar matey just crazy a little killer. side note on um ed kemper mm. did you know that he was part of a program i can't remember what it's called i'm going to call it books for the blind because i've just made that up but in prison he was part of a program where he recorded audiobooks for well of books used to using his really? voice yeah there's a few killers in there, so people could have unknowingly been listening to audiobooks. Read I knew by there was a reason that I didn't like audiobooks. Because <laughs> they're all read by serial killers. Good God. That's disturbing and also fascinating. Didn't he also teach um, people in prison? Because he was really clever. Um, yeah, he's highly intelligent. I think he basically wanted to, um, uh, what's the word, atone for what he did. Mm. I think he got caught, oh, 1975, and he was executed 
1989. So we could potentially could definitely get Bundy. Get him in there. I would be surprised if they didn't, as they got Manson. Well, I think if you're going to go for the big hitters, then Bundy's got to be one of them. And if we've got Dennis Rader, and we've also had <coughs> like Manson and Kemper and mm. um, sorority murders. Oh, uh, Speck. Yeah, Richard Speck and David Berkowitz. Like these are these are all your big and it's big the seventies. So when it was just absolutely fucking well, yeah, killing season for the old serial really, killers. It there really so fucking many. was. Um, I just think if they're going to go down the route of let's interview like real serial killers to find stuff out, how are they not going to do Bundy? Like you know who else was around at that time? Dharma. Uh, yes, Gacy, the Unabomber. Oh, yeah. That's a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, I don't know if I'm down for that. I tried to watch that show and it paled in to comparison oh, yeah. with Mindhunter, so I stopped. Such a shame. Mm. Um, well, I suppose we'll we'll have to find out, have to wait to find I'm out what's going to happen. I'm not waiting two more years, by the way. It does say it, could, it will probably be another two oh, years. for the love of... For the love of Fincher. Just do it. Just keep doing it until we're done. We love it. I'll have to rewatch the whole of season one and two next time just to remember two what happened. Two years is a lot, is a lot. Yeah. They should have been more prepared. I'm not happy about that. No. Well. Well. When you found out that the sec- the first one was good and you were doing a second one, you should have got them in to do more. Yeah. Just double-backed it. Yeah. Like Lord of the Rings. Film Selfish. Them all at once. Selfish. Yes. Um, but that's it. So that is our coverage of Mindhunter season two. We will apparently be back in two years to do season three. <laughs> yeah, um, see you then. Bye. <laughs> laters. But in the meantime, you can listen to loads of the rest of our content, whether you want to go back and listen to some of our historical stuff like Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, Westworld, Walking Dead, or you can listen to some of the newer stuff that we've done, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Worst of Netflix. Uh, we will be doing The Walking Dead again in the next month or so when it returns to TV. Uh, the lads are going to be doing it chapter two possibly lucy too i don't know no no i can't watch it lucy and i will be doing a uh, stephen king retrospective review of carrie Mm. original book film and remake at some point in the next couple of months if there's anything that you would like us to do then let us know and actually you could even get involved so not only can you follow us on all of the social media that we bang on about constantly you could also support us on patreon if you want to find out more about that, just go to patreon.com forward slash fan critical and you can even get one of the hired blueberry tiers and join us on an episode Imagine of that. your choosing. Imagine How exciting. You could be in the hot seat. You could be a part of fan critical for one episode only. Mm, or I mean, if, per month if you as want. As long as you pay for it, you can do it yeah. as long as you like. As many as you as want. They say. You can even commission your own episode. Yeah. Um, but we are always open to suggestions. So keep in touch. Fan critic at fan critical pod on Twitter, fan underscore critical on Instagram, fan critical on Facebook, or pop us an email, fan critical podcast at gmail.com. But for now, it's time for Lucy and I to say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.